Hello everyone, welcome back to the Manic Manor Podcast. This is Mitchie. And we're going to jump right in with today's episode. This is regarding the Biological Resource Center and its owner, Stephen Gore. For anybody who doesn't know what went on with this, this happened roughly about a decade ago now in 2014. And it's one of many cases regarding deception in the donation of human bodies for science and any other purpose. Now, traditionally, when you think of becoming a body donor or an organ donor, or if you just want to help out in any way when it comes to certain illnesses, you think that unless there's a condition that excludes you from being a donor, that these parts of your body are taken and used for science to examine these illnesses, such as Alzheimer's, cancer, it, I mean, just anything. And anything that's left unused will be cremated and sent back to their loved ones or sent back to you if it's your loved one. And this process uh, normally happens within less than two months to take out the organ or the body part that they need or the tissue. And the family will be given details on how that donation has helped and the research and such. Now, I live in Tennessee. I'm in the East Tennessee region. And this area is known for what we call the UT Body Farm, or the University of Tennessee Anthropological Research Facility. And that helps to study, you know, various bodies and certain points of decomposition in different scenarios. So body donation to science isn't something new. It's been going on for many, many years. And of course, there's still a stigma and a lot of urban legends that circulate and are derived from fears of malpractice that would happen. But what happens when those fears and the stigmas actually do become warranted? So now we're going to go into the story. This takes place in Phoenix, Arizona at the Biological Resource Center in 2014 when the FBI raided the body donation facility due to allegations that the company was selling body parts for profit. Now, the Biological Resource Center had ran for roughly about a decade, and they had been specializing in free pickups of deceased loved ones for the families in exchange for their bodies to be used for science and research on certain conditions. Around this time, there was at least four to 5,000 people who had donated their bodies to this center. The center was known for being a sort of non-transplant human tissue bank, which means they just take these tissues from this person. It's not meant to go into somebody who is living, or they were also known as a body broker. They would take the samples of tissues for these research purposes. In this, the person who would be donating their body, or the next of kin who was donating the body after the person had passed, were to sign certain consent forms in order to be able to donate. Part of these consent forms was that the facility promised that they would treat the bodies of these loved ones or they would treat your body with dignity and respect. And they also promised in these forms that they would only take the parts that were needed for research or the parts that you said you wanted to have taken. The rest of the individual would be cremated, as we mentioned before, and would be sent back along with a tag number and what that donation was used for and how it helped. However, during this time frame, there was a tip 
that came off that claimed the place was violating these promises, and that is when the raid ensued. Now, during this raid, agents came into what was essentially a house of horrors, something you would see out of, like, an NC-17 movie or one of those underground, like, horror flicks that you feel morbid for even wanting to look at. Agents reported finding a scene that could only be described as a human chop shop. There were agents that would describe bodies being stacked on top of bodies, one on top of another, on shelves within freezers. Um, there was an agent that said that he saw male genitalia that had been cut off and placed into a cooler. And they had also seen buckets upon buckets containing human heads and various other pieces of the body as well as a ton of blood and it was just so grotesque and this was putting it quite lightly compared to what these people had seen but out of all of that probably one of the most disturbing parts that they had come to discover while they were doing the raid they had found a man's torso and on this torso he had been, of course, decapitated, and replacing what was his head was a small female head sewn on like something they said was out of a Frankenstein movie. Some of the agents that worked on this scene were said to have been severely haunted by what they saw, with one apparently even developing PTSD from the sheer horror and grotesqueness. And what was so sad, during this raid, they ended up recovering about 10 tons of human remains with seldom to no identification for the majority of these because they were completely just butchered and put together like they were nothing. Now, as they were doing their research into this facility and what was going on, a report showed in 2013 that certain parts of the body, like a person without shoulders or a head could be sold on the market for roughly about $2,900 at the time, a spine for $950, a liver for around 607 and lower legs for $350 a piece. And you sit there and you think to yourself, you know, who the absolute fuck would buy these body parts? Well, I'll tell you, it showed that the Biological Resource Center was taking these parts and they were selling them to buyers that were like within the medical field, such as surgeons for practicing, as well as selling them to research facilities for studying disease and drugs. And another one that was known as their client was the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense was listed as a buyer because they would take bodies as cadavers or certain body parts and use them for destructive slash detonation testing. Despite this, there were certain individuals that they were able to somehow recover from all of this that had checked off that they did not want their bodies to be used in such a method for, you know, destructive tests only to be sent there or parts of them were sent there. Now there was a case as I was doing my research that showed that there was 
uh, center employees that were there that were persuading widows of people who were deceased to amend the forms. There was one widow who had come forth and she was talking saying that she had been so traumatized and she was still grieving over the loss of her husband that she really did not understand what they were talking about and ended up saying okay. So there's a major red flag right there. And, you know, when all of this started to come to light, the Department of Defense allegedly claimed that they were under the impression that these people had given consent to sell their bodies or to donate them for that purpose. But this wasn't what the families had been told. Like, there was a repeating pattern that showed when all of this came to the forefront and the news was made aware that these families truly believed that they were getting their loved ones back in you know, the ash, the cremated form, and that only a small portion of them or whatever they had allowed to be taken was what was used. So they were for a complete loss of words. Looking into it, it looked as if the owner, Stephen Gore, had altered or even forged consent forms, even did it under duress for some people, as we saw with the widow. And at the time that this was going down, there was only like, I think about 10 out of 50 states that had laws in place regarding donations and regulations around them when it came to the body. And they weren't really highly enforced. Like as far back as 2004, there was a federal health advisory panel that had co went to the US government, asked them to, you know, apply the same regulations and apply the same laws to body donation as what we had for organ donations. But for some reason that never ended up coming to fruition. That went on to the back burner, it was in the back seat, and it was just completely forgotten about. So the closest thing that the United States had was a nonprofit business that was called the American Association of Tissue Banks. And they weren't a regulatory force or a power of any kind, so they couldn't enforce anything the only thing they could do was recommend a set of standards on how human tissue should be used. So it really didn't cover the basis of what all needed to be done. But, you know, after this had come to light, as I've said before, dozens of families, they're naturally upset, they're distraught, they're angry, they're heartbroken. And the local news stations started to interview these families that were coming forth saying, hey, I donated my loved one to this facility. This is not what we were told, this is not what we were promised. So these ashes that they were provided, they were like, we genuinely thought this was our, like my mother, my father, my cousin, my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, my grandfather, but now I'm looking at this urn and I don't even know if this is my loved one, I don't know who this is. And it was highly upsetting. During all of this, there was also an intern that had come forth as well, um, she said that she had wrote a thesis detailing what she had also had to go through while working in the facility, and she had alleged that she was told to, you know, suture dismembered legs with oversized needles and twine, and do things also as awful as decapitating an elderly woman's body with something that looked and sounded like a chainsaw from Home Depot. And she also made a point to note that she not once was ever formally trained, nor was she given instructions on how to do anything. So it makes you sit there and you wonder, you know, what exactly 
was going on behind these closed doors as they were out there advertising to people that they were going to take care of these bodies, they were going to treat them with such care and respect, and then you hear from like interns and people who worked there that, yeah, we were chopping up these bodies like they were nothing and we didn't have any kind of training given. And then you realize at the time also that there wasn't really any licensing that was going on, especially in Arizona at this time. And through all of this, it came to light once again between 2012 and 2013 that at least 961 body parts were sold from the Biological Resource Center. Now, a year later in 2015, Gore would end up quote-unquote tearfully pleading guilty to conducting an illegal business after all these accusations came forth. And, you know, the FBI had raided and all the proof was in the damn pudding at this point that there was clear misuse of bodies. But he only ended up conducting, like, pleading guilty to conducting an illegal business. His sentencing at that time was a deferred one-year jail time with four years of probation and he would have to pay $121,000 in restitution to the victims. Also around this time in the civil cases, there was about 30 family members who had come forth and filed a lawsuit against Gore, alleging that their loved ones were not treated with respect as they were promised and that they themselves were being misled by the company into believing that these bodies were being used for good intentions. As a result of all of this, this led to Arizona passing a law that said body donation companies must have a license to operate in 2017. Whether or not they're actually implementing that, I am not sure of, but it's set an ongoing precedent, I can tell. In 2019, a jury in the Maricopa County Superior Court would end up awarding 10 out of 21 families who were still going on with this a $58 million lawsuit against Gore. However, even though these families got, you know, $58 million and you're dividing that between the families and it's not even known if they'll actually get that money, it does very little to ease the suffering of these families. But if anything, we can hope that it has set a major precedent regarding regulations in body donation so that nobody else has to suffer like these families did. So thank you guys for listening into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anything you would like to add on, anything I could have missed, please feel free to let me know. Uh, you can reach out at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as well, Manic Manor Podcast. Um, if you feel so inclined and you would like to support, I do have a Patreon set up as well, you know, patreon.com slash podcast. As always, it's not necessary, and I will continue to put out more episodes when I can, but anything that you guys would like to do to support would be greatly appreciated. So thank you guys so much, and I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we will see you in the next episode.